I am so glad that you're here today as we're continuing our series on change. Turn to Mark chapter 5. As you're turning there, and just, just uh, if you've got a Bible, leave it open. We're going to walk through a few chapters today, picking up different verses in those, kind of take a little journey together this morning. How many of you remember the, um, the ALS Ice Bucket Challenge? How, how, many of you, how many of you remember that? Yes, you remember that? Where were the rest of you? What, 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 what were you doing? You, remember you, you, you pour, pour ice, basically ice water over your head, you video it, you put it online, and right before you do it, you challenge uh, other people to, take, to do that, and then they'll challenge, and they'll challenge, they'll challenge. Or if you don't do it, then you have to you know, make a donation to an ALS uh, charity. I don't, I don't know uh, whether you remember it or not. Most of you probably remember it. I don't know if you understand how widespread it was. And so what I want to do this morning is just show you a a quick little video to kind of refresh your mind on how widespread, probably the most technologically widespread thing I can remember, maybe in the Facebook era. So take a look at this video and it'll sort of remind you. All right, how many of you did the Ice Bucket Challenge? Confession time. How many of you did it? Come on, no, 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 lift them up, lift them up. Come on, how many of you did it? Probably half of you took the Ice Bucket Challenge but I wonder if you know how it started. Does anybody in the room know how the Ice Bucket Challenge started? Chris Kennedy, who is a golfer in Sarasota, Florida, as far as I can find, is the first person in the world who nominated someone to take the Ice Bucket Challenge for ALS. He nominated his wife's cousin, whose husband was suffering from ALS. I'll show you his video. The very first ice bucket challenge for ALS. And what effect did it have? How much money did the ice bucket challenge raise for ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease? $130 million in America. Globally, I'm told it's nearly $2 million, $200 million. Now... To give you a comparison, the year before, ALS raised $23 million. After the Ice Bucket Challenge, $130 million, over $100 million more. Now, there's one thing that I learned from all this that I want you to zero in with me this morning. One person can make a difference. One person can make a huge difference. Jesus made a huge difference. Everywhere Jesus went, the Bible said he went about doing good. He touched hundreds and thousands of people's lives. And what I want to do this morning is just trace through Scripture a story where we see one person making a difference. So look at Mark chapter 5, verse 1. Mark chapter 5, verse 1. Now remember, we've been talking about in this series, change. We've talked about moments of change and patterns of change. And if you remember when we started, we had a motorcycle here with a flat tire. And we said, look, everybody's got a flat tire somewhere. And everybody needs change somewhere. And last week we said that the definition of a mature Christian is a person who doesn't ever stop changing. We keep changing to become more like God, to become more Christ-like 
throughout our life. Now this morning, I just want to say it to you this way. Sometimes we, you and I have to be the change. I just prayed it with Mike this morning. We, he is being the change in China. He's being the change in Latin America. And God calls you and I to be the change because one person can make a big difference. So let's look at Mark chapter 5 together. We're going to sort of uh, trace this one guy's story through a couple of chapters and see what happened in his life. Verse 1. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. Now, just stop right there for a minute. They went across the lake. Everything in Scripture means something. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. Jesus and his disciples went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. The reason that that was a big deal is because where he was coming from was a Jewish area, and when he went across the lake to the other side, that was a Gentile area. Jews would not go over there. And the reason that Jews would not go over there is because they considered it to be dangerous and unsafe and unfit for a Jew to go into this Gentile region, which was a rough area. Now, what I want you to see this morning is this movement of Jesus from his area out into the Gentile area going across the lake is a symbol for you and I to understand how God works. How you and I aren't called to just go to pretty people. How you and I aren't called just to go to people who are like us or look like us or like the same things we like. We've got to be willing to do whatever is necessary to reach people far from God. I don't know if you've noticed lately, if you've looked at the news or you looked at the current times, our world is absolutely shaking. It is stirring and shaking and I don't know the future and I'm skeptical of everybody who keeps telling me that they do. But I am smart enough to see things are changing and things are stressed and pressure continue to, continues to move on the earth and people are becoming open to God. As Mike said this morning, what we hear about China is from the government. But if you go there and meet the people, there's a great openness to God. You know what I think is happening in America? I think people are becoming open to God again. I think things are stretching and pressures are coming and we keep hitting a, a wall after wall after wall and people are realizing we don't have answers. And every time you hit a wall in your life and realize you don't have an answer, you start to look inside, you start to look up, you start to look around in places you haven't looked before. And I think that there are people that are opening, becoming open to God in America in an incredible way. Renewal is coming and we have to be the change. We have to step into this moment in history and realize that yes, even one person can make a big difference. You know, it looks like to me for too long the, the American church has kind of hunkered down inside the building waiting for something really bad to happen to wake everybody up and they'll all, they'll all run back into the church. First, we already had that. It's called 9-11. Anybody remember? 9-11? 9-11, things went crazy. Things in our country that had never happened happened. And, and church attendance in America shot up for about three weeks. And then we went back to what we were. We've already had that. Second, uh, crowds of people suddenly flocking inside the church with no intercession, with no compassion, with no relationship building, with no reaching out. That's not called revival, that's called magic. And we don't believe in magic, we're Christians. 
We believe in the supernatural. There's nothing in Scripture I can find anywhere that says, pray until people come, worship until people come, encounter God until people come. From God's own lips, He surrounds Himself with His disciples, and He says, before He ascends to heaven, go into all the world and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So, we've got to shift gears and we've got to see that we, maybe God is calling you and I to be the change. Instead of waiting for the change, maybe He calls you and I to be the change. So, we're going to shift gears. So, to give you a little side note, in the next few weeks, you're going to hear about a big gear shift we're going to take. Uh, this month, is the month we traditionally do something in our church called Orange Fest. It's kind of a big outreach. We have a big crowd. We have a lot of people on the property. But look, here's what we're going to do. We're going to shift this year. You'll see uh, on the screen here, we're going to shift into something we're calling uh, Blocktober parties. We're going to do block parties. We're going to shift from you come to us to we're going to go to you. You're going to hear about that the next couple of weeks. You're going to have an opportunity to reach out in your neighborhood. You're going to have an opportunity to join with somebody from Kingwood who probably lives close to you and you didn't know they live close to you. You're going to have an opportunity to reach out into your neighborhood and take. it's time to take it to the street. It's time to stop waiting on something to happen and it's time to start engaging and being the change. Is anybody awake this morning? I just came with both barrels loaded and I'm shooting. Like, I'm running out of time. It's 9.45, and I don't have time to warm up. Are you, are you here? It's time to be the change. The world is not getting better. We can't wait until our society... It's like the church went through a time we were waiting on, like, American culture to like us. I don't know if you noticed. They don't like us. And it doesn't look like we're headed that way. From the massacre we just saw in a school, was it Oregon? It doesn't look like they're going to warm up and like us. So we've got to go ahead and get over our rejection. We've got to go ahead and get over our non-acceptance issues. And we've got to say, I'm accepted by the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm accepted by the one who matters most. And I'm on a mission from Him. I want our church to be known as the place where lives change. Where people come and their lives change. They walk in one way and they walk out a different way. That's what, that's what I want. Sorry, I'm a little fired up this morning. A little excited. We have to get people who know Jesus together with people who do not know Jesus. I don't know how else it happens. Any other way to me sounds like magic. And we don't believe in magic. All right, that's chapter 5, verse 1. Are you ready for verse 2? Are you ready for verse 2? You're like, no more, no more. When Jesus got out of the boat, he went, remember, he went across the lake, a man with an evil spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Incredible. How would you like uh, our greeters to be demon-possessed? Incredible. We just send all the demon-possessed people to pass out bulletins and be greeters. Incredible welcoming committee. This man lived in the tombs and no one could bind him w w anymore. Not even with a chain. Like, I guess this guy's done broke ropes and they done worked their way up to a chain and now it doesn't work. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart 
and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. Now, if you look this uh, story up in another um, gospel, you can see that the guy's also cutting himself, breaking chains, long hair, long fingernails, howling at the moon, and naked. I mean, this guy's about as bad off as you can get. So you got this naked guy can't be chained anymore. He's running around, he's cutting himself, and, and he's screaming. This is not the guy that you want your daughter to bring home at Thanksgiving and say, look who I met on Facebook and I think that we're going to date. You know, he's sitting on the end of the couch naked, drooling, and you're thinking, I'm not okay with this. Let's just be honest for a minute. Let's be honest for a minute. This guy did not need government assistance. He did not need a support group. He needed an absolute miracle. This guy is bad off and he needed a miracle. Read the rest of the story. It's an incredible story. There's uh, some pigs in there and all kind of crazy stuff. Mark chapter 5. But Jesus completely healed the man and changed that man. And now I want to follow his story a little bit. What we learn from this is nobody is beyond Jesus' help. We tend to label and categorize, well, maybe we could reach that person, but we can't reach that guy over there. I'm thinking slobbering and naked and long fingernails and howling at the moon and too strong to be bound by chains is in the category we'd say can't reach that guy. But when he met Jesus, everything changed. Now, look to Mark 5, 18 and 19. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been... Jesus heals him. His life is fully restored. Now, now Jesus is leaving. He gets in the boat. The man who had been demon-possessed begged him, Can I go with you? I want to go with you. Like, nobody has ever been able to bring my mind and my soul at peace like you have. Nobody's ever been able to give me joy. Nobody has ever been able to restore my life. Can I go with you? Jesus did not let him go. But said, Go home to your family and tell them. Go home to your family and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how He has had mercy on you. Don't go with me. Go back to the people that knew you before. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him and all the people were amazed. Now here's what's interesting about this story. Up until that time, everybody Jesus healed, He said, don't tell anybody. Everybody else, he'd heal them and say, don't tell anybody. He'd heal, don't tell anybody. And as far as I know, this is the first time in Scripture Jesus has said to someone now, I want you to go back to your home and tell somebody. Up until this time, everyone Jesus had healed was Jewish. Now Jesus has hopped a boat, he's left his region, he's gone into the area of the Gentiles. And the first man that Jesus healed here is a Gentile. And Jesus tells him... Now, I want you to get a picture of this. The first commissioned evangelist Jesus ever sent to the world was a formerly demon-possessed, crazy, naked, screaming, cutting man. You think you're not qualified? You think you're you're not ready? What about this guy? Whoa, I can't come, other than like, you know, camping out in the north side of hell, there's nowhere else I can come from. 
that's worse off than this. This guy wasn't Jewish. He hadn't been trained. He didn't know the Old Testament. He didn't have the right theology. He did have one thing, though. He had a life-changing experience with Jesus. His life had been changed. And all Jesus said... He didn't say get a tent. He didn't say start a revival. He didn't say run a meeting. He didn't say start a ministry. He didn't say start a conference. He only said one thing to him. Go back to the people who knew you before and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how much mercy God has had on your soul. So Mark chapter 6, let's keep following the story. Verse 53. When they, when they had crossed over, they landed at uh, Gennesaret. And anchored there. Now, here's what I love. Watch this. Jesus comes over, meets the demon-possessed man, sets him free, goes back to the land of the, the Jewish area. Then he comes back across again to the same region. You heard the uh, name Decapolis. Decapolis is only used in Scripture three times, twice in Mark, once somewhere else. It, Deca means ten. It's a region of ten cities. This is a high-population area. Jesus has come back into the region again. And here's what I love. It says, and anchored there. And anchored there. What happens when you drop an anchor? What are you saying? I'm staying. I dropped the anchor. I'm getting off the boat. We're unloading. We're coming ashore. We're staying here. I think that is a great symbol for you and I to say, you and I have got to drop an anchor in Shelby County. And we've got to say, this is the place God has put us. This is the place God has called us to. And we are going to make a difference. We're going to take head on the challenge of the most unchurched county in the state of Alabama. And we're not going to let up. We have dropped an anchor there. We're going to make a difference. You know why? Because one person can make a difference. Verse 54. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. Hold the phone. How did people recognize Jesus if they had never seen him? How did they recognize? The first time Jesus came to the area, he touched a half-crazy, wild, demon-possessed man, and he left. How did they recognize him? Because one man went back to his home, went back to his family, and told them what God had done for him and the mercy that Jesus had shed on his soul. Because of the testimony of one man. And then when Jesus comes ashore, they start whispering and talking. I think that's him. I think that's the guy. Do you remember the crazy guy who used to live there, the naked one that screamed and howled at the moon and you couldn't chain him? I went down to his house and he's normal. His, his marriage has been restored. His children aren't, aren't embarrassed about him anymore. Like he's there, things have been put back into the right order and, and people start whispering and talking to him. Wait, 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 wait. If Jesus can help him, I've got a friend. I've got a family member, my wife, my husband, my children, my, my neighbor. My, I've got some people, if Jesus can help him, then I've got somebody that I want to introduce him to. Because of the testimony of one man. Now turn to Mark chapter 7. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon. Down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of Decapolis. Now he's back in the same area. 
There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged him to place his hand on that man. And Jesus did. Jesus laid his hand on that man and healed him. Why? Why did Jesus lay his hand on the deaf man and healed him? Because a half-crazy man who met Jesus, life was changed, and he went and told his family and friends. And people who had never seen Jesus now are hearing about him, and they're saying, if Jesus can help him, I've got this relative here who's deaf. And I bet if Jesus can help him, Jesus can help my relative here who's deaf. I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring my loved one to Jesus. Here's the second thought. I only got two for you today. One is one person can make a big difference. Here's the second one. I can make a big difference. Would, would you, I, I want you to personalize that. Would you just say that with me this morning? I can make a difference. One more time. I can make a huge difference. One person can make a difference. There are people in, in our lives who don't know Jesus. And we don't talk to them because we are intimidated or we are afraid or we are closet Christians. We don't feel like we've been trained. We don't feel like we're qualified. We feel like that's somebody else's job. I don't know enough theology. I don't know enough of the Bible. I haven't walked with Jesus long enough yet. Can I tell you something? All this man knew, and when I say all, I mean all he knew, was that, was that Jesus had incredible mercy on him. It changed his life, and Jesus told him to go tell his story. Jesus told him, go home and tell them what God has done for you. There's a myth that a person can't really make a difference. I want you to think about when's the last time you told anybody you were a Christian? When's the last time you told anybody how you became a Christian. It's very simple. It's very easy to share your story. We've made it so complicated and made it mathematical and mechanical. It's very simple. It sounds something like this. You have an opportunity with someone who's away from God and you just simply say to them, do you mind if I tell you the difference that Jesus has made in my life? And if they say no, don't. If they say, okay, Maybe they'll, maybe they'll oblige you. Maybe they really want to know. And you say, you don't know what I was like before. Man. And give them about two or three minutes. This is what I was like. Everybody in his hometown knew what he was like. But maybe it's been a long time ago when you met Jesus. You don't know, you don't know what I was like. I'm, I'm not perfect today. I don't have it all together. But man, this is what I was like and this is what happened. And can I tell you, that story penetrates people's hearts and minds and changes them and sows seed and in, impacts people more than you and I can possibly imagine. We've got a couple stories uh, I want to share this morning from, from uh, our own church. Uh, Joe, I think Joe, is Joey Reno in here? Where is Joey? Is he, in, is he in this service? Maybe he'll be in the next. Joey Reno, who plays the guitar right here. I want to tell you a quick story about him. 
When he was in 11th grade, just a few years ago, he went to uh, Pastor Jeremy, our youth pastor, and he said, hey, um, I, I, there's this girl in my high school, he went to Hoover High School, and I really feel like God's put her on my heart, and, but I don't know what to do. His graduating class was almost 700 people. He said, I don't honestly even know if I'll ever even see her again or if I'll ever have a reason to talk to her. But man, I know God, would you just pray with me that I'll know what to do? Let me tell you what happened. Coincidentally, Joey ended up in a class with her in assigned seating next to her desk. Coincidentally. Say divine appointment. And so Joey started to reach out to her and started to talk to her. She was a self-proclaimed atheist. And he talked her into coming to youth service with him. And over the next few months, she came every week. And she asked dozens of, like, very hard questions to answer. Dozens and dozens and dozens of questions. But she rarely ever missed a youth service. But eventually she prayed to follow Jesus. Then she joined the worship team. She's leading people to worship somebody she didn't think existed a few weeks, a few months before that. She joined the worship team. And all through her years at UAB, as she was getting her four-year degree there, she was a youth leader here in our church. And then from there she went to Master's Commission and she did three years with us in Master's Commission studying and she was a youth leader and she was a worship leader and she helped with EDGE, our high school leadership uh, team. And do you know what she's doing today, this former atheist? Tell you what she's doing today. She is in Honduras and she is an English teaching missionary. I want to show you a picture. That's JT. And you know how that happened? One person can make a difference. But you have to be the change. You have to be the change. One person can make a difference. Just recently, uh, another great story, uh, Matt Sims, just kind of wave for a minute, I know you're here, Matt. So excited about being pointed out. A friend gave Matt two tickets to a baseball game and said, uh, hey, can you, you know, you, you can do what you want with these. Matt saw as an, uh, as an opportunity to reach out to his girlfriend's brother, Sal, who's right here too. Sal, you kind of wave a little bit. It's a Harley Davidson wave. And uh, Matt, Matt said something interesting about this. He said, I always wondered what people meant when they talked about a divine appointment. But after that night at the baseball game, I now know what they meant. He said it was a divine appointment. We talked and some doors in conversation were open. This, this is just a few weeks ago, weeks ago. And that Friday night, our 20-something group had a guys' night. And so uh, Sal went with Matt to the 20-something guys' night. And in conversation, the door opened and Sal asked if he would, Matt would pray with him to receive Christ. And he did. And the next Sunday, 
the night, the Sunday morning after the baseball game, Sal came to church. The next Friday, he prayed to receive Christ. The next Sunday, which I think maybe was our community picnic, something like that, he came to church. And then he went to First Step. And you know what he's going to be doing in about 30 minutes? He's going to be starting live streams, salads. And he's, he's uh, signed up to be baptized in water in a few months. And you know why all that kind of stuff happens? One person, one person can make a huge difference. Let me when my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters wherever you will call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander. And my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Savior. Would everybody, would you stand with me, please? I want to ask our prayer team to come. And please, if you don't have to leave, please don't leave. This is a very important moment in the service. Prayer team, would you come? I want to ask you a question this morning. Every eye closed. Who is Jesus leading you to? Who has Jesus said to you, go and tell them? Tell them what God has done for you. Tell them what mercy God has had on your soul. Who is Jesus leading you to? As you, as you were here singing and listening in this service, if there were family or friends popping into your mind, that's Jesus. That's Jesus popping them into your mind. That's Him saying to you, I'm leading you to them. I'm, I'm calling you to them. I'm, I'm giving you I'm giving you their face and their name because I want you to share your story with them. And I want to challenge you. Next Sunday, I am going to share a gospel salvation message. And I, I challenge you, I encourage you, invite somebody to come. There's no event, there's no special nothing. Jesus. And I encourage you next week, bring somebody with you and let's believe God for souls. Let's believe God for salvation. Let's believe God for the greatest miracle of all miracles because one person in this room can make a difference. You're here this morning and you say, you know, when we were singing, I just had this picture of a family member, a friend, a neighbor, a co-worker, somebody just heavy on my heart. If that's in your mind, Jesus put it in your mind. I can't do that. And if He did, He did. Here's what I want you to do. It starts now. It starts right now. Prayer changes everything. Can I tell you when we had our picnic and we... we interceded and prayed and that day was a breakthrough day because people prayed. Here's what I want you to do. If, if, if Jesus has put someone on your mind, I want you to start today with prayer. I want you to start right now with prayer. 
If Jesus has put someone in your mind, I just want you to lift your hand. If he hasn't, he hasn't. That's on him. But if he has, he has. I just want you to lift your hand and say, Jesus put somebody on my mind. He put somebody on my mind. Put somebody on my mind. Yeah. Now here's what I'm going to do. In just a minute, we're going to pray. And what I want you to do if you lifted your hand is I want you to come for prayer. And I just want you to tell the prayer team, the person, would you agree with me? Would you intercede with me? Would, would you come into agreement with me that the door will be open, that the moment will be right, that I'll have wisdom, that, that they'll be able to come next Sunday, whatever. Would you just agree with me that God is going to work? Because the truth if God don't work, we're sunk. It takes God for a life to change. We can't change it. So I want you to come and pray that. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I'm not even a Christian. I'm, I'm not even sure where I stand. I want you to come with everybody else. We'll pray with you right now. Maybe you're here and you say, I don't have anybody on my mind, but I want, I want God to put somebody on my mind. And I want you to come too. So Lord Jesus, I thank you today for your work in this room. I thank you that you are leading and you are guiding. And like Jesus went across the lake, you are leading us to new places to do new things. And I thank you for it today. I praise you and I pray great, great, great fruits would come as we intercede together. If you lifted your hand, I want you to come right now. I want you to come right now. The worship team can go ahead and begin to sing lightly. Come right now. If you lifted your hand, I want you to come.